You're listening to the Global Sport Matters podcast. From academia to media, Kenneth Shropshire and Bill Roden explore the edges of sport, unpacking race and culture beyond the game. Over the next series of episodes, Ken and Bill examine progress versus change, a central theme outlined in Ken's book, In Black and White, Race and Sport in America. Along their journey, they will reflect on the historical moments in the context of sports today, hoping to discover new pathways towards an equitable future. Welcome, everybody. This is Ken Shropshire. I'm here with my colleague, Bill Roden, and this is the Global Sport Matters podcast. The the version is called Old Heads, New Thoughts. Bill, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm still trying to figure out, am I a new thought or an old head? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. As we continue to negotiate this, I was all good, man. How you doing? Good, good. I, I good times in Philadelphia. I, I, I'm in Philly waiting for Saturday to come, although I'm going to be up in Toronto. Yeah. Not to tell the Steeler where I'm going to be, but um, <laughs> uh, there's an event, the, this new thing called the Carnegie Initiative that's mm. focused on diversifying hockey. Hockey? Uh, <laughs> yeah, named after a guy, Herb Carnegie, who mm. is kind of this unknown figure in, in, in hockey we should talk about sometime, but uh, but again, we may have to get uh, a young guy or a white guy or somebody to help us talk and have a good hockey conversation. Yeah. I, in fact, I got somebody. I was just talking to uh, one of the Roden fellows, and yeah. there was somebody. He's actually at Arizona State, but he's a young brother who's apparently a very talented hockey play-by-play guy. Okay. And uh, he's young. He's, he's Apparently, he's covering – he's calling minor league hockey games. So – Wow. We could definitely have him on to fill up that time. You know, last time we were together, and so today we're going to talk about the, the uh, we'll just call it the coaching carousel. I think that's a lot uh, friendlier way to discuss the topic. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit about uh, Lamar Jackson and uh, the front office decisions there. And if time permits, we'll squeeze in a little bit about the whole idea of, of playing too long and, and, and Tom Brady, but we got a, a little bit of an abbreviated time together today. Yeah. Uh, so, so Bill, um, you, you know, <laughs> we're joking about Black Monday last time we were together. I, I think I slept and missed Black Monday. Yeah. I, I, it well, didn't well, seem as ceremonious as it had been historically. I think so many people got fired before and, and uh, <laughs> kind of the week right. leading up to that Black Monday just was uh, like Christmas without toys. Am I, am I right about that? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, because a lot of guys were executed like at halftime. You know, right. <laughs> like, you know, like like we had uh, Denver. Denver realized they had screwed up early on, like four weeks ago, and they made a hiring. Uh, and um, Lovey was fire immediately after the game. You know, like they just took him yeah. out to the yard back and back of the stadium and executed him. Um, yeah, so really, you're right. It, it wasn't the total bloodbath it, it normally is. And again, you know, we got to change that name. So maybe it's called uh, Chartreuse Monday or Beige, <laughs> beige Monday or something but you like know, that. We still have uh, uh, Jeff Saturday kind of still walking the plank maybe. I don't know. If well, they, yeah, I, I, it's unbelievable, man. You know, as much, and, and again, because I guess I'm not sure you've had more contact 
with owners than me. I mean, you you worked closely, or you knew um, the guy in Miami. Um, I know you'd be a social fight. He, he's but, still with us, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but, but I mean, but I the thinking of these guys, it, it's got to be the, your, your sense of right and wrong and morality has got to be skewed by the fact that money is the highest value in our culture now. And if you're a multi-billionaire, that means you're never wrong. So you could hire Jeff Saturday. You could hire the equip- equipment manager. You could do really whatever you want with these NFL franchise toys. So, you know, you were talking about Saturday, and the guy went ahead. His general manager told him not to do it. He did it anyway. Saturday lost seven games, and and Ursay is saying that he still is on his list. He wants to give him every opportunity to succeed. So, you know, you, you just throw your hands up and say, well, I know that as an owner, this is nothing to you, but for all these guys who've been toiling, this is their job. You know, this is their real, this is where they're getting their income from, and you're playing these kind of foolish games. And, and compare that with, with Lovey's experience at Houston, yeah. where there was no way we're going to let you continue uh, and, and year before with Cully's experience, yeah. it, it really is a, and I, you know, I don't even want to make it racial in, in, in that regard. It's just different owners have different approaches to how they deal with this. And, you know, and I guess the guy uh, at the charge is Juice Daly. I guess, you know, I think he's on, he's walking the plank a little bit too, even with a, you know, with a, a, a good record, but a, but a horrible ending. Yeah, so, he fired, he fired, yeah, it's fine as the guys do. He, 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 you know, because these owners want blood. So he fired his passing coach and Brandon Staley. He fired his passing coach and his offensive coordinator, as you think he might do when you're up 27 to zero. <laughs> you're up 27 to zero and you lose. <laughs> you think that some head's going to roll. He's just saying, it ain't going to be mine. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, so there, there have been some hires, though. We've yes. got uh, Amante Austin Fort. Hired by the the Titans, um, who's white, by the way. Uh, I'm sorry, tired from the Titans uh, uh, to the Cardinals as as GM. And then we well, got he's white. Titans. He's white. Yeah, I, well, I'm just discussing who's been hired. Uh, why why is everything about race? Because <laughs> <laughs> this is old hands, new thoughts. <laughs> but I, I guess we say old hands, old thoughts. But no. I know, why do you always got to bring up race? Why don't you say that, Ken? Wait, wait. You know, it's not all about race. Why don't we turn this into like a you know, the conservative talk show? Dolph, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I'm sure you got that too. There you go. <laughs> there you go again. <laughs> there you go again. And, go and, and the black hire is, and, and, you know, it's funny. You and I have been involved in this forever. I have heard this brother's name when, when he was a running back. And I think I knew it then, but I haven't really paid that much to him, attention to him. Uh, Ron Carthen, yeah. um, uh, who, who got hired by the Titans as, as their, as their new GM. Um, yeah. and, and that's, you know, that's, that's significant. And that, that's a, another African-American being hired. And then yeah. at the very top <laughs> president or CEO, I think it was the title they gave him at the Chicago bears. Yeah. Kevin Moore. Yeah, that's a, that's a big one. Now that's, that's, that's a, you know, and this, this is, this is a, a, you know, kind of another black man dilemma kind of, kind of thing. And also, um, 
you know, part of the, uh, uh, you know, again, research-wise, we talk about what's, what's, your, what's your set of, of people that you're reviewing. So there's an N of one here. you got Kevin Warren, who's been a commissioner of the Big Ten, a Power Five conference, and then he moves over to be president of a team. So does, does this mean things are better or worse, or what does this mean? And um, th- does it mean the Big Ten will, will not hire another black man in that position or <laughs> Or is it like a, a Thurgood Marshall seat on the Supreme Court? It is now the black seat, and we should put another black person in there as as the commissioner, or what? But but Kevin's you know Kevin's a guy who's been around for a while, and uh, it will be interesting to see how how this plays out. I don't know if you have any any thoughts about his hiring or even the president position overall, which now there's I guess a half dozen African American team presidents. And that certainly will be pointed to along with these GM positions as we go through the cycle when there could be no African-Americans hired in the head coach position. Does that, does that, does that, uh, um, what do you call it when you you kind of soften the blow? Does that soften the blow? Does that make it okay? That's what it is. It's kind of soft to set you up. You know, it's kind of a compensation. So, well, you know, we've got, we, we hired, we, we've not, you said there are now six black team presidents. I know three right off the bat. Now you got Kevin, you got Carthon, you got Sashi Brown in Baltimore. Right. Uh, oh, and then you got, don't you have a sister in Las Vegas? Right, right, right. The Douglas, I guess the last name is the thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, so, so it's, it's yeah, it, it, yeah, and then, then, then you've got, you got a couple more, I, I believe. Um, but, but, but what does that what does that mean? I mean, we went from having none to now we have some, and part of it is what that job is now. Like with Kevin's, Kevin is clearly on the business side. That he you know he's had this great experience of building a stadium when he was with the right. Minnesota Vikings, and, and that's what uh, the Bears want him to do in Chicago. Um, he's got the GM, another African American, reporting directly to him. Holes. Uh, but he's all, all the descriptors I've heard is he's not um, running the football side, which I think in the old days was the, what, what these team presidents did. And, and so there's a lot of a lessening of the position over the years. Kevin seems to have a, a pretty strong stance in terms of, of, of what he's doing. Yeah, I thought that was a fascinating hire. I mean, I, like you, I've known Kevin for a while uh, since his Minnesota days. And he's made all these great moves, you know, going from Minnesota, you know, being the, the uh, not only just being the commissioner of the Big Ten, but orchestrating that deal that's bringing in UCLA and uh, USC, just talking about splattering the map. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I thought for sure that would be, you know, there'd be another couple of years where he takes a couple of victory laps, but his victory lap was going to Chicago. Yeah. You know? no, no, we'll see that. You know, is, that is that a lesson? You know, well, you, you and I both that's stay that's the same institution. I, I don't think he would take it. I think it potentially is a very powerful position. Right. You're the president of this iconic franchise in Chicago. I mean, you know, the commissioner of the, where do you live? I mean, it's like, it's kind of like you're up on Olympus somewhere. You're kind of like the big team where the team president of Chicago Bears squarely puts you, locates you in a place. And, um, it gives you some power. Now, I guess your question is how much. Clearly, 
And this is what I thought was interesting, Ken. I'm listening to my, uh, you know, my NFL radio shows all the time. You know, it run the gamut between Solomon Wilcox in the morning, where you know if there's social issues, they'll be discussed. Right. To some shows, like, you know, Pat Kerwin and um, uh, Jim Miller, where if there's a social issue, a real heavy social, don't tune in. Don't. <laughs> if you want some insights on that, you won't hear. If you want some insight, just you know, turn to something else. But they mentioned, you know, but, but Jim Miller played in Chicago, covers their games, and so they mentioned, well, what do you think about them moving, you know, from Chicago Field? Well, I, I was born in Chicago and raised there, and Soldier Field was always this iconic place. I mean, the Bears either played in Wrigley Field on the north side, which was growing up. You know, in Chicago on the on the south side, the north side was like Vietnam. You know, <laughs> uh, but just the, but the, you know, the Bears were always in the city. Right. So now they want to move it to the um, suburbs, and they ask, "Well, Jim, what is him? Well, it just wasn't safe. It wasn't safe. Now you know, whenever you wasn't safe, the immediately picture comes as black. You know, black and brown and crime. He said, "Wasn't safe." So I thought it's kind of, it's fascinating. You know, the Chicago politicians, this, this is going to become, you got a black mayor, you know, it's become a big issue. So here you have this brother, good brother too, Kevin Warren, who comes in and, and you know, that always Fs us up. You know, we have this <laughs> thing, you know, but here's Ken Schwarzschild, you know, and you're like, oh man, because you can't go after the brother, you know, you know, the brother got a great job and all that, you know, so... I just thought it was kind of fascinating that you want to make what you know is going to be a very controversial move to move this iconic franchise to the suburb, white flight, white flight with 60% brothers on the team. But how are you going to make it palatable? So you bring in your first black team president. Yeah. I, I, I'll tell you, Bill, uh, oh, 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 head, old thought here, you know, growing up in LA, my fondest initial memories of football, apart from, you know, playing little kid games, was going to the L.A. Memorial Coliseum with my father and family, uh, which the Coliseum then and now in the hood. And my godfather, Rudy, was an usher. We'd see him as we came in. It was, you know, it was a whole thing. And, and when the Rams moved to Orange County, even though they moved back to Inglewood after going to Circuitous route to uh, St. Louis and everywhere else. But once they left, there was no other way to explain why they left to go play in, in raggedy uh, Anaheim's state of the angels, baseball, the poorest configuration for football of all time. No other reason than it is a little dark around here. Like, like uh, 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 Matt King Cole, you know, the, I mean, the greatest, greatest line of all, Nat King Cole's little 20-minute TV show gets canceled because they can't find any sponsors. And Nat King Cole, in one of his most controversial statements, says, well, you know, Madison Avenue is afraid of the dark. So some, some of these teams end up being afraid of the dark, don't state it overtly, uh, <laughs> and, and make these moves that, you know, you can, you can interpret as being racist. And I think... I, so many of us have held on to that L.A. Rams thing. I mean, Inglewood is hard. Inglewood was equivalent to hiring Kevin Warren in some ways. It's like, like, okay, now we're in Inglewood. Are we okay? Can you, 
Can you probably yeah. come back to us? We had to go a long way to come back to the hood. <laughs> the Coliseum, yeah. you know, they still have a yeah, place. We, we built our own. Now, now, please come back home. So, Inglewood, Kevin. I, I, mean, I agree. Inglewood, shucks, man. That ain't, that's, you know, I, I walked through there last year. I mean, Inglewood, man, is like rapidly becoming like, uh, you know, not Beverly Hills, but more headed toward more Beverly Hills than than what we thought of as Inglewood. <laughs> well, I will tell you, all, all the uh, 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 black greatest generation are, not all, obviously an overstatement, are buried, L.A., are buried in Inglewood Cemetery, which is right next to SoFi Stadium. So all, wow. these, all these folks, you know, my mother, father, all these friends, parents buried there. They have they have gone from being buried in uh, uh, the hood to be what what may soon become Beverly Hills. I don't know. So <laughs> right, aren't the Chargers building their own facility there? What's that? Aren't the Chargers building? Who's yeah, building? yeah. I mean, what's becoming the, the the place? I mean, it's it's still it's still a, this whole idea where stadiums get built. You know, th- there was this you know traditionally Soldier Field, the Coliseum. Um, uh, uh, you know, the facility in, in, in that Cotton Bowl. So all these places were in, in the city, and they were magnificent, too. I mean, those three, uh, the way they looked historically was wonderful. I mean, it's just kind of the, the structures and all that sort of stuff, and, and they were in the city. And then this whole thing happened, like, oh, we need to, we need to get out, out of here. And, right. you know, all of them moved out in, in some way. It's, it's still, to me, and we have a controversy here in Philadelphia now. They're trying to move a new uh, 76ers arena uh, downtown. However, uh, however, it is adjacent, and some claim in Chinatown, and uh, and that's happened over and over again. Is that let 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 us let us build something that is can be argued to be environmentally unfriendly uh, in the location where the weakest political population lives and we won't hear anything. Right. I, I will give a, a Chinatown some, uh, some credit though. They have been very aggressive and uh, fighting against this. So it's gonna be interesting to see. And, and so, so it exists, you know, where else does that ex- exist in Houston? It exists yeah. uh, in DC. I mean, Chinatown is a, you know, you gotta open your eyes and see there is a pattern that has developed in terms of where some of these basketball arenas have been built. So, so something, something to, uh, to continue to take a look at. Yeah. So, Bill, you know, the other, other big issue uh, since we last got together, and you've been working on this for a while, but it's, you know, kind of crescendoed with the end of their season, is uh, the Baltimore Ravens quarterback situation in terms of uh, what they've done and, and really in terms of what Lamar Jackson has done. You've been taking a close look at that. So why, why, don't, why don't we talk about that a little? Why don't you set the stage as to yeah. – uh, what Lamar put himself in position to do and, and where, where we are with that now. Yeah, yeah, I've always been, and we've talked about this a lot, I've always been fascinated by a guy like Lamar Jackson because, you know, to me, you know, from the time he went to the league and Bill Polian, uh, the Hall of Fame general manager, as they always say, said that Lamar should have been a wide receiver. And, right. you know, for us, that's sort of, that's that old trope, you know, about the athletic, quarterback being switched and, and you grew up in that generation and I 
the generation we work with guys like Marlon Briscoe, a whole generation where routinely switched to defensive back and wide receiver. And uh, Lamar comes along, and again, you know, probably one of the most kind of like Michael Vick kind of guy. And Bill Polian says, you know, that guy should be a uh, uh, um, Vance Joseph made an interesting remark. Vance, you know, who, uh, you know, was a defensive coordinator, I think still is a defensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals, but was a big-time all-state quarterback in high school and went to Colorado as a backup. But he said he thinks that in terms of evolution, Lamar would probably be the last guy, the last athletic black athlete who's a quarterback who would be switched. I mean, who people talked about in terms of being switched. Having said that, to me, Lamar, more so than Pat Mahomes, you know, you know, was a guy who I thought it was important for him to win the Super Bowl with the type of style he played, which is a very robust athletic style combining, you know, the athleticism, throwing, you know, like like when we were on, I don't know how it was in L.A. on the, on the playground, but we would put the best athlete as quarterback, right. you know, you know. And to me, that was Lamar, and they, but there was still always this pushback on him. And they had him playing a very, very um, uh, high-risk kind of thing. So, you know, he's in the, he wants to get an extension, you know. And for better or for worse, he's negotiating with, with the Ravens. And then, you know, Cleveland gets a chance to, to get uh, uh, Deshaun Watson, right. and they totally ignore all the baggage because, you know, getting these kind of guys is not easy. So they gave Deshaun Watson the house, you know, a, a fully guaranteed contract. And, you know, Lamar is like, well, wait a minute, I'm better than that guy, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and I'm this fresh. I want a fully guaranteed contract. And the Ravens, I'm sure all the other owners, they were pissed off at Cleveland because, you know, guaranteed contracts has been the hill on which NFL owners said that we're going to die on. You know, right. we are not doing that. And although Aaron Rodgers has one and the and, and Kirk Cousins has one and now Deshaun Watson has one. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, Lamar says, well, I want one. And it gets into this tug of war. So then Lamar says, well, you know what? I'll let my play for it speak itself. If the season begins, we haven't come to an agreement, I'm going to play, which was kind of noble, right? right? Noble. You know, because he's been on himself. Well, of course, you know, December 4th, the worst nightmare happens and Lamar gets hurt. And now, and I'll turn this back over to you because it gets into the NFL meat grinder thing. Now, of course, you get hurt doing the Ravens bidding and then they immediately, well, see, that's what we said. You know, we talk, you know, you know he said, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, so we can't give you a guarantee because you'll get hurt. And he says, well, I want, I, I deserve a guarantee because I probably will get hurt. You are the ones who say this is 100% Injury league. So if it's a hundred percent injury league guarantee, then why don't you guarantee my contract and by extension other people's contract? So the season ended, you know, uh, with Hundley at quarterback, and they lost to Cincinnati and were almost in a position to win. They were on the one yard line, you know, and uh, Hundley instead of quarterback sneaking going under a yard short of the end zone, he tries to like dive over. And of course they snap, they, they, they knock the ball out. So you, uh, you are, you're, you're no Sam Cunningham. 
Right. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And, and the people think, but you know, it gets into the thing, Ken, so, well, that's why there's a big difference between a number two guy and, and, a, and a superstar quarterback. So that's where we are now. And I just thought that in following the story, I think that what Lamar Jackson wants, I got some good comments from Calais Campbell, that, you know, this is kind of about continue the war for guaranteed contracts. Because any group of athletes should have them, it's the football players. So uh, I just think it's fascinating. And they're talking about, well, maybe we'll trade him. Uh, they're going to slap the franchise tag on him. I'm just wondering if Lamar, even if they slap a franchise tag on him for a year, if he would even play, if he would just, since he's betting on himself, yeah. you know, maybe forces them to a trade. But I just think it's fascinating. Does, does he have an agent now, do you know? Is he still agentless? Yeah, he, he's his agent. He's his agent, uh, right. And there, there's there's some talk among some GMs. They think that the NFLPA is putting him up to this to make him essentially their Kurt Flood. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, that, that's where I was going to go. Is this... this you know, and, and and Kurt was a special man in terms of understanding where he was in that moment and, and who he was going to be. I mean, you know, the idea that the well-paid slave and, and all the language that he was able to use in that moment, uh, precursor to to Bill Roden's language <laughs> relating <laughs> these athletes to to slavery. But but it is, you know, how much does Lamar really want to step out and and do this? Because th there's a strong argu argument to be made. You know, virtually every contract in, in, in baseball is guaranteed, same in basketball. And then you have this, this scattershot, a few contracts in football. And if you think about it, you know, maybe there's some adjustments to the economics that need to be made. It's like insurance. You know, sometimes you'll have to pay out, but sometimes you won't. But at least these guys have this assurance that they're getting paid this amount. I mean, I, I could see some adjustment in the, the amount that owners would be comfortable paying in guaranteed kind of way. Although, as you said, the Deshaun Watson number kind of, kind of took care of that. Just kind right. of showed that, no, we're not going to give any haircuts because a contract is guaranteed. We, we're going to keep it at the same number. So, so it's going to be very interesting to see. And I, and I think it is, he hadn't gotten enough credit yet. I mean, you know, a few of you guys have, in the media have written about it appropriately, but it is, it is a major moment to see what, what he's going to do. I mean, and this, and this does come on the heels, you know, so we can kind of squeeze this in a little bit of, of Tom Brady and the idea of playing until you're, you're 45 and, and you keep going. Is that what we expect somebody to be able to do? That's such a unique circumstance. Well, 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 well I think, the way Lamar's playing, I don't know if he's going to be 40, 45 when he plays. Right, uh, exactly. But, but just to touch on something you mentioned, because I thought you mentioned a good point about Lamar, is that from what I know about him, he's, he does not strike me as a Malcolm X, Martin Luther King kind of guy, you know. But we've all seen people in history where you're thrust into these positions, not because you go into a, you know, you, you I mean, he could be going as clearly as a me guy. All I want to do is me and make my money and do my thing. And then you may look at a larger, like, like Malcolm, I guess, when he was in prison. And certain things broaden your horizons. You see yourself in a larger context. And I think that's where our thing is. And, and you also mentioned Tom Brady. 
for this fight, and you cover these labor things, man, who are the people, who, what, what is the one position that's always missing in action in these labor struggles? It's always the quarterbacks. You never <laughs> see the quarterbacks, the Mannings, the Tom Brady's. You never see the high-profile quarterbacks flexing the Brett Favre, flexing their muscles. They're either the first guys across the line, you know, or they just stay silent. And I think that you, you think of now that's that's a, that's a great point. As, as we wrap up, great point to think about. Think of the who have the union leaders been? I can't think of a quarterback who's been in that room, been the lead person, been the president of the players. So say, and then who's been the name plaintiffs in all these lawsuits? You go, you know, Reggie White. Uh, uh, the, you know, the big one would be the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the Baltimore Colts tight end. What, what was oh, John Mackey. John yeah. Mackey. I yeah. mean, all these, all these name plaintiffs, none of them, I, I could be wrong. Maybe somewhere along where there was a quarterback. So quarterbacks lead on the field to play. Uh, they, they probably lead in, in the meetings, making decisions about big issues, but on, on these labor issues, um, and the power that they have, especially now, you, you, you pointed out the guys with the guaranteed contracts. I mean, these should be the guys leading the fight. I want this for everybody. Yeah. yeah. They're like, well, you know, I mean, I can see, and particularly now, Ken, you've got this group of great young quarterbacks coming up. You know, Herbert, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, uh, you know, and they would benefit. I mean, they're going to get theirs. But if those guys and maybe and Patrick Mahomes, I, I could see a guy like Mahomes uh, flexing some muscle. But if those guys say that they're not playing, that they hold out, you know, because this is a passing league, you know, that could, you know, th- it could be really important. So, um, you know, and, and and a guy like Brady, I mean, why not? I mean, he's like, you know, he's going to be fifty before he retires. I mean, why not? You know, what are they going to what are they going to do? Cut him? <laughs> you know. No, he's gonna be so, playing for the Las Vegas Raiders. Come on, he's he's got some more time time on the show. You think he has any more? In the t- you saw, you know, it, it kills me to see these guys like Brady and Aaron. And we do this. It's the media. We do this. They built this narrative that every time you screw up, it's not your fault. It's the young receivers the Packers have, or it's you know. I just hope Todd Bowles survives this. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We gave you everything, and and you weren't you weren't successful. That's that's right. what I want to see what happens with that. But, yeah. but Bill, we got we got to wrap up. But but you know the idea. Let, let's keep an eye on uh, both the the coaching carousel, the chartreuse carousel of coaching <laughs> hiring, um, and also this issue. I, I, I do want to go into it in more depth. The idea of, of not just guaranteed contracts, but, but why that's the case, and then sticking around too long or not. Yeah. How long should athletes be around? And if you if you think about the absence of guaranteed contract, maybe that's why it happens um, more in football than elsewhere. Unless, of course, you're the great Jim Brown or the great Barry Sanders, and you walk away on, while you're on top of the game. Right. Bill, uh, we will reconvene next week. Thanks a lot. All right. Enjoy Toronto. Yes, sir. Global Sport Matters podcast is a production of the Global Sport Institute at Arizona State University. Our senior coordinator of digital content is Brendan Clean. Our manager of strategic initiatives is me, Kendall Jones. And our marketing and event assistants are Luke Padway and Aiden Corrales. Find and follow us on Twitter. We're at Global Sport MTRS.